If you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to look at Galatians chapter 6 with me. Paul is closing his letter. Seems like he opens the letter with the salutation and then finishes the letter with an opening. It's just the way he writes. And again, wanted you to understand this morning and help uh, us to to really be thinking a little more concerning the gospel of Jesus Christ in these days and not glory in anything else other than him crucified and risen again the third day. Um, I really believe that there's a need for us to be able to uh, present the gospel with people that are in our culture, that are struggling with truth, and so on in a way that would be effective, rather than just uh, spurting out maybe perhaps words, but being able to think through it a little more. I don't watch Jeopardy. Uh, Some of you might watch that. Um, There was another one, I think it was called Pyramid or something, where they say, you know, they give they give this idea. I, I think it, maybe it's a millionaire. A million? It's, what's that game called where they ask questions? Um, Do you want to be a millionaire? I think is what it was titled. And um, I, I watched a little bit of that, and I was shut down because I don't know the answers a lot of times. I'm not a very smart person. Uh, Jeopardy makes my head spin. How can they know all of that stuff? You know, uh, regarding history and so on. And uh, I sometimes I just say that's a bunch of nonsense. Now, when it comes to Wheel of Fortune, I can handle that one. Uh, you know, there's big letters, uh, smart people, but yet, um, and sometimes I can figure out what they're actually putting up there. You know what I'm talking about. Um, I want to buy a vowel. Uh, but it's interesting when we think about these things, because as we're thinking of games, and as we're presenting things, I... I really believe that there needs to be a decision time for every person where they would ask you, is this your final answer? Uh, Boy, it's nice when someone says to you, you've got another chance to decide, is this what you really want? Is this really your desire? Um, And you have the opportunity and the liberty to say, yes, that's my final answer. Um, sometimes when we're talking to people uh, now that, um, that, that we live in a, a world we live in, people are asking us questions about what's going on in the world. They may say, is this in the Bible? You know, those kind of questions. Um, and, and we have a book to turn to. We have the Bible to look to to say, well, the, the Bible talks about the end times. And you can go ahead and give them all of your knowledge if you want to. Uh, that's up to you. But the sooner you get to the final answer, uh, the better. Um, You may get someone that will resist what you're saying concerning the gospel. And let me just say this, and I believe it's true, that if you're in an argument with somebody or in a, in a, uh, a little bit of a debate with somebody and one gets mad, shut up. As soon as one of them gets mad, move away, because all you're doing, you're not going to convince that person. Um, and you're not going to be convinced any further. So if, if, if you're in a conversation, either one of you are mad, keep talking. But if one gets mad, walk away, because all you're going to do is cause the other person trouble. Amen? Amen. Think about that. Uh, personally, look in the mirror. I think it's important for us to remember that we ought to stay calm in answering our friends and our coworkers that don't know Christ 
We ought to be sensitive to be able to ask them questions that will stimulate their conscience, but always coming back to the cross of Jesus Christ. Now, you may say something like, um, what made you think that way? Um, why do you believe that that is true? And that is important for us to ask those kind of questions to your coworkers or to your friends that are not saved. But to sit and argue with them, all you're going to do is push them further and further away from Christ. Because they are going to do uh, what, what they see you do rather than what they see you say. Okay, Because uh, there's too much inconsistency in, the Christian, in Christendom. There's too much inconsistency. You know, someone says, well, I'm a Christian. You say, how can that be? Look at their lifestyle. You know, uh, you say, well, I'm a Baptist. Oh, really? Uh, what are you thinking? Um, and so when it comes to this understanding of dealing with the culture and getting them to that final answer to say, you know, what are you going to do with your assumption? What, what, what does your conclusion bring to you? How do you know that to be true? I'm so thankful that we have an ultimate authority, and that is the Scriptures. I'm so thankful for the ancient, um, what people may call archaic, um, Old Testament, because it gives me such hope for the future, and so much strength to see real stories about real people that were able to, by faith, conquer the world and have victory in the world system and be able to continue on for the God of heaven. And so, in spite of all the things that are going on in the world system, I think you ought to be able to drive every conversation to that final question. In Paul's life, he actually says, this is my final answer. And my final answer is the cross of Jesus Christ. If you look at the conclusion of the letter to the church, of, uh, to the church that was in the region of Galatia, he is actually giving this out in verse number 14. Because... God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. What he is basically telling us here, that there is one main thing that he wants to drive home to every missionary group of people, and that is that it is the gospel of Jesus Christ that matters. It is the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. It is the death and the burial of Christ. This is your hope, and this is my hope, that Jesus Christ lives. I think it's important for us to understand that in all of this, he is actually giving us a clue in verse 16, but as many as walk according to this rule, dealing with the, uh, setting the, the law, if you would, aside, the ceremonial law. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision avail anything or uncircumcision, but a new creature, a new creation, a new person. Has God made you into a new person? That's the question this morning. Have you changed? Well, I, you know, I, I turned over a new leaf. That's not good enough. You need to be saved. And, and I'm not trying to force you into a decision. I'm trying to lead you along and tell you that there is one thing that matters, and that is Christ crucified and him as your Savior. That's what matters. Paul had this. You walk according to this rule. Peace be on them. And mercy and upon the Israel of God, if we look at Romans chapter 9, we'd understand this a little bit more. From henceforth, let no man trouble me, 
For I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. He's saying, you can't tell me anything else is important. Look at the marks that I have actually on my body. I have been whipped. I have been without, and I have been with. In both cases, I have been content. G. Campbell Morgan said of his father, after my father reads his text, he heads straight for the cross. He goes on to say that Satan wants us as Christians to forget the cross. And without the cross, Christianity has nothing to base its existence on. If the cross can be removed from all the memory and all of the preaching, then Satan has the world in his hands to do as he desires. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 18, for preaching of the cross to them that are perish foolishness, but unto them that are saved, it is the, the power of God. And so if you've experienced that power of the cross, if you've experienced the power of the gospel, you know that that is essential for every single living human being to be able to continue on. And by the way, let me just say this. A lot of times we have the same vocabulary, different dictionary. Okay? So let me explain that a little bit. You may be talking to somebody and you're using the same words, but their dictionary is different. They have a religious dictionary, perhaps, or a dictionary that somebody else wrote. Let me give you a biblical understanding of a Christian. A biblical understanding of a person who calls themselves a Christian is a person who has had a second birth. If you have not had a second birth, you are not a Christian. The Bible speaks of this very plainly. And Jesus was speaking to the religious man. Remember Nicodemus at night in John chapter 3? And Jesus comes to him. And, of course, Nicodemus came to him. And, and they were able to confront and speak to each other. And, 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 and Nicodemus admits, no man can do these miracles except God be with him. He was actually seeing the evidence that Christ, Jesus Christ, that God was with him. And so he knew he was true to Christ. And then when he talked to him, he was very clear and his need of understanding who's going to be in heaven. Is there any hope outside of anything besides what you say? And Jesus was very clear to him. In order to see the kingdom of heaven, you must be born again. And that same word again is the word for above. It's the same word from the very first, used in the introduction of Luke. The first four verses. From the first, from above, again, are the same word in the Greek language. You must be born again. You must be born from above. You have an earth birth. There needs to be a spiritual birth. I had my spiritual birth when I was very young. Some of you have had your spiritual birth when you were really young. Sometimes I'll see on social media, this was my anniversary of my spiritual birth Fifteen years ago, I came to myself, I knew who I was, and I received Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. Interesting when we think about all of this, because when we're talking about Christ and him crucified, it helps set things in order, and we must have a biblical dictionary rather than a religious dictionary. Because we're talking about these things. Because some people may continue to move forward thinking that they are born again, and they're not. Being born again is not being, uh, going through a, a catechism or a teaching or getting approval from the, the church or to have a certificate from the church. None of that is, saves you. 
You must be born from above personally. And you must have a dynamic personal relationship with Jesus Christ in order to continue in these days. I appreciate the men's class. And one of the men said, I get up and I say, Lord, give me strength today. Give me the power that I needed to continue on. Give me, by the grace of God, bottled water that just happened to be down there. Give me what I need to continue on. And you, as a born-again individual, ought to rejoice. You ought to be at the, knee, at the feet of Jesus Christ today because he has redeemed you and he has given you the power to be what you should be. He's done all of that. As we think of it, I need to move on. Verse number 21. And again, us having an understanding of Colossians chapter 1 gives us that understanding, or 1 Corinthians, I say, chapter 1. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 21, the Bible also goes on, it pleases God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. In verse 23 of 1 Corinthians chapter 21, or chapter 1, also goes on to say many things, but what kind of preaching is needed? Preaching on the cross, because if the cross is taken out of the message, then there is no salvation because of what Paul said in verse 23 of 1 Corinthians chapter 1. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Greeks and Jews, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Paul went on to say in Romans chapter 1, verse number 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Of course, it came to Jerusalem and then Judea and then into Samaria and then to the other parts of the world. And by God's grace, America has been used by good men to be able to publish, be able to take the word of God and the truth of God to the ends of the earth. I think of just a simple farmer that decided to build Northland. And by the way, when Northland began, it, was, it began as a missionary hope. It was called Northland Mission. I was able to get there when the trucks were still there in 1994, 5, 6, somewhere in there, 1997. And there were still trucks around that said Northland Mission on it because it wasn't called Northland Baptist Bible College. It wasn't called Northland University. It was called the Northland Mission because they knew that there was a mission. And by the way, that's what it's going back to be now. When you think of these refugees, where are they going to go? I talked to someone yesterday that said that they have up to, they have space up to 10,000 people can come into Northland if they desire to bring them in. 10,000 people. Can you imagine that? by a little farmer that said, I'll start a mission, and everyone thought it was going to be a Bible college forever, and it wasn't, and now it's being transformed, perhaps, into a refugee place. I'll talk about it a little bit more in the meeting. But the subject of the cross is one of the main themes of Paul's writings, and he never stumbles over the cross. Rather, he magnifies it, and he, and he presents it as the, the theme of every single portion that he writes. He's, he's always going back to the cross. It was his final answer every single time. I don't intend to place an overtone of deity that should accompany the cross. I am, I'm just putting the cross really in the place 
where it belongs in New Testament theology, that if we take this account or these accounts literally, then we must, we must see through the eyes of the cross of Christ. Must come back to that thought. The subject of the cross is our main text of preaching every single time. And when we say cross, we are referring to the crucifixion of Christ. We're talking about the burial and the resurrection of Christ. When I say that it is the cross, I'm not talking about some wooden thing behind me. I'm talking about what Jesus Christ has done. I'm not talking about the bracelet that you have or the necklace that you have. Even though people's eyes are directed toward that because there is a magnetism toward the cross, the cross is the focal point of his coming, of his purpose, of his return. He came and died on the cross of Jesus Christ. And so my final answer this morning will always be the cross of Christ is the answer. Kind of getting tired of all of the psychological babble that's going on in this world system that people have all kinds of problems and ills and difficulties and, and they blame it on this and that and so on when it is sin. It is sin, and sin is darkness. That's what's causing the guilt and the shame and the, all the issues in a person's life is S-I-N, pretty simple. And Jesus came to die on the cross and to help us understand that the sin problem and man's predicament can be solved through the cross of Jesus Christ. However, Satan attempts to remove the cross and will do nearly as much as he can to harm the future by removing it. What happens when we forget the cross? I think there's several things that happen. What happens when we forget the cross in our personal lives, but what happens when we forget the cross in our family or even in our church when we forget to speak of the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is the main thing. I remember years ago I had a deacon that was a mover and a shaker. He's, he, you know... Um, those are the kind of people that will drain every account dry if they could for Christ's sake. But I remember him coming to me and saying, let's just keep the main thing the main thing. And let's make sure that we look at our missionaries. And if they haven't had one soul saved in the last two years, let's remove them. And let's put in new missionaries. You know. And, and my young heart, my young mind, and my pea brain, if you would, I thought to myself, this doesn't sound real healthy because I know that missionary and I know his son might replace him and have many souls saved. But it was important for me to understand and to help you to understand that the cross of Christ will always be the main thing, the center attraction, if you would, to a New Testament church. When I shake hands with someone recently, they said, peace be unto you, Pastor. That's exactly what they say when I go to different parts of the world, like Romania, when they say, Pache, which means peace. That's the greeting. It's not like, hey, how you doing? It's Pache, you know? How do you say peace in, 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 in Israel? Is it shalom? Yeah. And they would greet each other with that understanding. And, and is there peace within you? And if there's not, it may be perhaps you haven't understood the cross of Christ. So these are the questions that are vital really, to the future of our ministry. But what happens when we do set aside? I can't believe it. It said 1036 here. I thought I had a whole other hour to preach. Someone just changed it. It's 1136. 
I'll go quickly. Pizza Ranch is calling you. What happens when we forget about the cross? Number one, we lose the awareness of God's love. We lose the awareness that he loves us. I can't help but look at that. Oh, my word, we forgot to turn it on. We can't run church with it turned off. Brother, Brother Bob, can you move rather quickly? And, and go back there. Up the steps, you'll go straight ahead. There's this big, huge switch. Just turn it on. I'm not going to go any further until that's on. You know what that does? It reminds me that, he, that, that God loves me. That's what the cross is. It's, it's a memory. It's, it's a symbol uh, to help us remember that, that God sent his only begotten son to die on the cross for our sins. We can get so full of things in our world system that our brain is packed full of all kinds of issues that we forget the cross of Christ. And that he loves us. God's love is always shown through that which he does on the behalf of man. Listen to these verses. In Deuteronomy 7, verse number 8, it says, But because the Lord loved you, and because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your father, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondage from the hand of Pharaoh, the king of, the king of Egypt. He said in Jeremiah 33, verse number 3, The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. Romans 5, 8, But God commended his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5, But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath he quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. 1 John chapter 3, verse number 1, Behold, what manner of love the Father had bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. And therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. In 1 John chapter 4, verse number 9 and verse number 16, together, let me read them to you. In this way, and in this was manifest or revealed the love of God toward us because, the, because that God sent his only begotten son into the world, that we might live through him. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. Romans chapter 8, verse number 32, the Bible says, And he spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Without the cross, we would forget about the love that God has bestowed upon us. Be careful. In the creation, we see God's hands. At the cross, we see his heart. Interesting also, his love is shown through the death of his son, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. For we love God so much that we give back to him all that is rightly his. And it is important for us to know that, that we are not our own, 
but he's bought us with a price. The Bible says that in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. What? Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God? Are you not your own? For you're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit. Interesting as we think about this, I'm going to move ahead. Number three, underneath that point, love always gives and it never takes. It never demands. If you love me, you will give. I thought to myself recently about the love between a husband and a wife. My wife and I have been married all of these years. And all of these years she's put up with me. I think it's a little bit more difficult for a pastor's wife than the average. I think maybe a police officer or a captain of a police of a sheriff's department or something perhaps. But, but to be honest with you, uh, the Lord knew exactly what I needed and who I needed with when he gave me Tammy. Um, she sent me a, a, a shirt. It was like two-tone color. It's like, it was like yours, Diego. And on the front it said, my heart belongs to Tammy. It had a big rainbow on it. Now, that was in 1982, you know, 83. You don't want a rainbow on things, you know what I mean? But I was a United States Marine. 1983, 1984, early, I was wearing that shirt around. My heart belongs to Tammy. I was waiting for one person to say anything about that. Not with a chip on my shoulder, but I remember how much she loved me in the beginning years. And all of these things, through all of these years, we've been able to send notes to each other and still love each other. Do you know why? Because love never demands. Love will always give. And, and, and by the way, she has given, and she has given, and she has given. She's got so much love. If you give her your dog, she'll love your dog. <laughs> I better not say more. Because I don't really like animals that much. Sometimes I do. Like when they're fried. Chicken. Talk about Chicken. Come on. What happens when we forget about the cross? We lose the understanding of the suffering that Jesus Christ went through. I'm so glad that once a month we have the Lord's Supper here. And by the way, some of people were asking, and it was asked to me earlier in my ministry, is do you think it's okay that we were able to do the Lord's Supper at home? <clears throat> yes. Charles Spurgeon did it with people within his home around the table. I thought it was healthy. If you're at home and you can't come to the Lord's Supper with us, the head of that home, I think, would be okay. We actually conducted the Lord's Supper virtually here. We gathered together on couldn't, couldn't come here at our church because they had this really, really bad thing called COVID that was hurting a lot of people. And so we didn't meet here. Remember those days? Just a little couple years ago. And we had the Lord's Supper one evening. Two groups here, many people at home. Um, I'm not against that. But I think we need to remember the old rugged cross. I don't think we should forget these old songs. I think we need to continue to sing them. Listen to the words of the old rugged cross. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. Oh, that old rugged cross so despised by the world has a wondrous attraction for me. 
For the dear Lamb of God left his glory above to bear it to dark Calvary. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down, and I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. What beautiful words. I think we ought to remember the sufferings of Christ. I love the historical, poetic books of the scriptures. They may be ancient to you, but they are refreshing to me. And I think about Psalm 22. And in Psalm 22, it gives us a description of the Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm 22 actually says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Those are the words that David penned, but he was talking and prophesying of what would take place on the cross of Christ. How can this be so full of harmony? Man, I wish people would just leave this Bible alone, the old King James Bible alone, and preach it. And don't change the theology. Keep the theology strong. There isn't a coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The earth will wax worse and worse. That's a whole other message. A death by the cross was cruel. It was the cruelest way to die. The, 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 the victim, a lot of times, he would hang, be hung there for hours before he actually died. The, 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 the blood would actually drain from the body slowly and painfully, and the victim would lose the ability to think and remember things, and who was there and who wasn't there, and they would feel the pain, but they would simply just slowly suffer in their dying, and that's what Jesus Christ did for you and I. Physical torture is what he went through. And that's what the cross helps me to remember. How much he loved me and what he went through for me. Spiritual suffering, not just physical suffering. Jesus, of course, went through all of that. You can imagine how he felt as he went to the Garden of Gethsemane and said, if it is possible, let this cup pass for me. Nevertheless, not my will but thy will be done. Jesus was dreading the taking on of the sin, that perfect body. His impeccability was going to be tainted, if you would, by the sin of man. Do you hate sin? Are you upset with sin? I'm so sick of sin. I'm not sick of sinners, and neither is Jesus. They're everywhere. But he's calling to them, come, come unto me, all of you, come. I think if we forget about the cross, we lose our vision of those that are lost. I think we lose our vision that, that there, is a, there is a hell. Someone made the, the comment that if we were to walk as a congregation out the front door of this place and go over to the manhole in the middle of the road and lift up the top of the manhole and look down in, and if we could see those in hell, do you know what we would do? We would tell every single soul from that point on about the cross of Christ. Thinking of this helps us to remember that Christ, the dying lamb, must be a constant reminder to men that there is a hell. The Bible says in John chapter 1, 29, it says the next day, Jesus coming unto him, he saith, behold, talk about John, John the, the Baptist, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. 
the cross reminds us of the urgency of salvation. The cross should cause us to shun everything else and to draw closer to Christ. Losing that understanding of the cross, we also lose the fellowship, I really believe, that we need with Christ. Because the Bible says in Philippians chapter 3, verse number 10, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. There are going to be things in your life that will cause you to suffer. And do not get bitter, dear friend. Let it, let it prepare you. These are actually events that were predetermined by God to help conform you into the image of his dear son. And so when difficult times come, say, thank you, Lord. I needed this. I was in the men's class, and I said, how many have ever had vertigo? Raise your hand. I'll ask you, how many have had vertigo? Raise your hand. Okay. How many have ever had really bad back pain? Raise your hand. How many have had a left leg that just won't work right and you can't lift it up and it hurts all the time lifting? How many have had all three? Yeah, there's a few of you. Stop complaining. Put your hand down. What's the matter with you? He's not talking about the sufferings or the price that you have to pay for your salvation. We're talking about suffering that conforms us to look more like Jesus Christ. Difficult things, hard things. And if we suffer, 2 Timothy 2.12, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. Chapter 3, verse number 12 of 2 Timothy says, yea, and all that will live godly in this present world will suffer persecution. Galatians chapter 6, verse number 17, and we can read it here again. For henceforth, let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in closing, remembering the cross and remembering the Lord Jesus Christ and the gospel, If we forget it all, we lose our purpose of his death. And really, if we understand what actually happened on the cross, Jesus became victorious over death and sin. I think it's important for us to remember as Christians the cross of Jesus Christ and to remember this is the final answer. I was on my way to uh, the Ukraine and I had a stop in the Netherlands and on the way there I sat to a woman named Sophia and I said, you know your name means wisdom and she didn't even know that. Really? I said, where, where do you think you're going to go when you pass away? And she couldn't give me any answer. And from that point on, she had question after question after question after question for me. And you know what I said? I said, I don't know, but the Bible tells us this. I don't know, but the Bible tells us this. I had it in front of me. I didn't have my big family Bible like that one. I had this one, a smaller Bible, not this exact one. I had the one that's worn out in my office. But I would take her to this passage, and I would take her to this passage. You know what? Pretty soon she was like, well, I really can't argue with this guy. Because... My desire 
was her to see one thing, and that is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, who sent his son. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins. It is the main thing. We build upon that. We deal with other issues, if you would, like separation from the world system, like the illumination of the spirit living within. We deal with these things, but the main thing will always be the cross of Jesus Christ. There is a magnetism of the cross. Why? Because Jesus said, if I be lifted up, and he was, I will draw all men unto him. He's drawing you. Have you come? If not, today's the day. Every head bowed and every eye closed. This morning, would you please stand? No one looking around. It's important for us to have an invitation this morning, and I want to share with you that whatever the issue is in your life, you must admit in your own heart, leave it and confess it with your mouth, that Jesus Christ is the answer, and he will give you the peace. Oh, you can go and read all kinds of books and sit down with all kinds of counselors, but the answer is in the cross of Christ. As soon as I'm done praying, the invitation will begin. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit will guide in Jesus' name. Amen.